Kokorongo ki te tangi a te kori mako Ko rero flowing a te hoka force Ko papa relevant, ko papa out of bounds Ko papa exigent, ko papa paramount Nga ko nga whakapiri mai ki te Ko papa tino whakahira hira Whakarongo pi kari kari mai Hare hare mai, o tari ngā hare hare mai We gotta gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kane kane move that body Kane kane move that body E ngā iwi katoa, tēnā rā koutou, nau mai hoki mai. Morena e tfānau. Ah, e morena, nau mai hoki mai ki tēnei te Punua Pāho podcast. Ah, te wānonga o te roa, arā ko tā tātou podcast. Ko Taringa. Taringa, are are mai o koutou Taringa. And we are in te iwi o te wiki. Ah, te iwi o te wiki this week. Yes, and we are very, very lucky because this special guest of ours, who's a very good friend of mine, and he tuahine nōku, te nohoa tēnei ki au tariao, and we're very, very lucky, because we're biting into her holiday time. So we've gone international e te iwi, <laughs> we're Skyping across te moana nui, a kiwa aue aue, all the way to Hawaii, to Waikiki, coming from the Banyan, in Waikiki, <laughs> we have... Ms. Hana O'Regan e te tuahine e mihiatuana ki a koe. Tēnā koe. Mihi maira. Ko tēnā te reo. Te reo waiata o, uh, o moana reo Māori. Nā, tēnā koe tau. Tēnā kōrua. Tēnā koe. Tēnā koe. We've had um, Ngāti Ranginui. Ai, Ngāti Ranginui. Ngāti Maniapoto. Ngāti Toa. Uh, Ngāti Toa. And we're going all around the motu. E te iwi. Um, yes, very lucky to have Hana with us this morning. And... Thank you very much for giving up a bit of your holiday time there. How was the weather in Hawaii? Kairuka no atu. It's a little bit different from the south, I believe, but it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Well, tāua tahi tēnā e te tuahine. And um, e te iwi, you know, I don't get, when people say to get a tan, I don't get a tan. Māoko hana, I get red as well. So, and um, we Skype, Hana Skyped in. And, um, yeah, she's, she decided not to wear her bikini on her on our Skype session. <laughs> no, kei te mau, e kari kei te huna i tēnei haora. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Wai hota niki a huna ana. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, as you know, we've asked you on Taringa um, this morning to talk about um, Tōrahi Tōiwi um, Angaitahu. Kapai. And I think a lot of our listeners, we've got uh, thousands of followers actually that have been listening to our podcast. And for the general public, a lot of them may not know where um, Ngaitahu is. So maybe you can share a little bit about the... Um, the tribal area of Ngaitau. Kapai, well, tēnā, tēnā no kūrua. So our tribal rohe is Te Waipaunamu, so we're from the South Island, but we don't claim all of the South Island. We leave all that beautiful wine-growing mm. area up in the top, Te Tauihu Te Waka. Our ancestors decided to go to the colder climate and move further south. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a, there's a big wedge at the top in, of the south that belongs to the iwi of Te Tauihu, but pretty much south of Kahuraki Point, on the west coast and the 
Te Parifakato, uh, the just north of Kaikoura on the eastern coast, everything, and then in the middle, so you would do, do a little triangle and you come to a place, um, Rakitoto, the lake there, everything south of that is Aorohe. So yeah, it stretches down both coasts right down, and of course down to Rakiura and the islands, the Matambur Islands, the Titi Islands down south too. Oh, they're so Titi. Uh, yeah. Yes, the Titi. Kātaki te titi. And, and, you know, we've got a big connection at Koronehana to titi mm. because that's where the titi tent is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, titi tent. I... And they go through hundreds of titi um, every year. We might talk about titi a bit later. Mm. But that's a huge rohe at the Tuahine. It is. And it's a huge rohe, not because there's millions and millions of us. We are, I think, still, I think we're the fourth largest tribe in the in mm. I, I Roti Tau Māori in the Māori world. And so there's, there's about 58,000 of us mm-hmm. that are on our register, some more on the census, but um, that's on our tribal register. But the reason why it's such a big rohe is because, as you can imagine, there's a lot of that which is um, uninhabitable. We've got the whole Southern Alps running down Te Tuara, the, the backbone of the South Island, um, and it's harsher living. So we couldn't grow traditionally our tupuna. There's only a few places that they could grow the kumara. Mm. And as we know, our people settled in places where they had sustainable kai all year round. And, of course, one of the things that our people, Māori, all around the country, lived off, you know, with their staple was the kumara. So if you can't grow the kumara, then you got to do something else. So our people actually had a culture of more seasonal migration around the rohe. Uh, so it was a much more nomadic, nomadic culture, and that changed everything around our, even our style of houses, the way we lived, how we interacted. Um, and that's why, really, we had such a big rohe. I find a lot of things interesting about, well, every iwi, but as you're referring to the, the difference in housing, and that's something I learned when I was down there on, on Kaipapa um, with you guys and different things. You want to talk about the, the ngaitahu style of, of whare, of housing? Yep. Traditionally. Yeah, so, I mean, we still had a couple of the standard houses that you might expect to see in the north as well of the, the typical style of whareinui, but generally there are only a few of them, and there was one in Kaikoura at Takahaka, Takahanga um, Pa, another one in Arofenua um, near uh, Timuka or Timaru, and another one near, um, that, that we know of, you, you know, these are, that go back a long time, at Kaiapoipa as well. But generally the whare were uh, a lot smaller, and they could be set up quickly and taken down as well. Mm. Uh, but we also had what's commonly known as the farero, and a farero yeah. is a roundhouse. When when we visited, brother, our um, relations over in over in America, uh, our the First Nations over there, some of their tribes, even the Mohicans, and they had these roundhouses which looked very similar to the Kaitahu houses of old. And so they were called the farero. And of course, that one of the reasons they called the farero mm. um, is because they were uh, they had the niko and the, the you know the reeds and the niko palms, the the leaves around, mm. and used the row as a as a protection. Not unlike our other houses, it was just the um, the style. They made the structure by bending the vines more, the bendy wood, and they would make that um, like an igloo kind of look. It looks like an igloo, but mm. well, it had to eat their hookapapa, not out of snow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and they were dug in a little bit to the ground, but I think the houses in the north were too. 
But that's also from the insulation. Like, you know, it does get mm. pretty cold in the south. Mm. And even their art. So we didn't have a lot of um, traditional carvings mm. um, in the way that, you know, because you develop art when you've got downtime. This is where our culture, our people had a time for fighting. I'm talking about Māori in general. Yes. Time for fighting, time for planting, right. time for doing their art. And usually the, the time that you can develop art is when you've got downtime. Right, and um, basically when you're in a hunting-gathering culture, when you're in a culture of seasonal migration, you don't have that same transportability of your mahi whakairo and those kind of things. So mm. weaving, absolutely, because you did that on the road as well, but uh, we didn't have that strong culture of carved, you know, popo era mm. ahua tako te whakairo. But we did have rock art because that's what you do when you're travelling and those kind of things. That's why I say the culture is quite different. Oh, we still have our carved um, canoes. We decorated our canoes in that. But yeah, quite different. Te koe. As you were talking about travelling and, and the culture of ngaitahu, and I heard, you know, you referred to the South Island as te waipounamu. And I thought it might be interesting if, if you could talk a little bit about the, 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 the Pounamu culture within Ngaitahu, or the Greenstone we're talking about at the, at the iwi, if I got all my to our listeners. You mean there are people out there that don't know what Pounamu is? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, well, the, it is a culture, but all of our Pounamu comes from the West Coast. Te Tai Pōtini is our name. Pōtini is the Tanifa, the guardian of the Pounamu. So Te Tai O Te Tai Pōtini is the coast of Pōtini. And that's where our Pounamu is. And it goes right down into, you can go into Fiordland and up into the hills in there, and you can get different kinds of Pounamu from around there. Pio Pio Tahi, Milford Sound. But pretty much, you know, it's a West Coast, it's a West Coast thing going on. And the first one, the first uh, person to bring an example of Pounamu from the West Coast over to Kaitahu living over in the East Coast was a lady by the name of Raureka. And Raureka... Um, she was a mountaineer as well. We've got one of our alpine passes named after her, Te Nuti Araureka, and Nuti is an alpine pass. She brought these little tauka over and she had them in her purse and um, she showed these the people on the east coast, Kaitahu, she said, oh, look, this is this is what I use. These are my tools. And she pulled out her tools of Ponam, and, of course, people hadn't seen them before. Mm. Uh, and that, des- that created a desire to go over and get more of this Ponamu. And so we had this commerce, really, that happened uh, from the east coast to the west coast. And literally like a, a season of going over the Alps to get the Ponamu and bring it back. Mm. Ponamu is the hardest stone in New Zealand. And the only thing that can cut it is diamond which, of course, we weren't too familiar with back then. <laughs> our bling was our bonamu. But you can process it by um, using sandstone, literally wearing it down. And it's a long, hard task, amazing skills. And so the people on the West Coast were the korato ka tuki ki mahi. They were the experts and they were the the holders of that knowledge of processing our ponum. Uh, so, yeah, even when the Pākehā came in, they bought gold and they bought all these other things, you know, our people were still warring over ponum because mm. it was so uh, highly prized uh, as, as um, not just something of that was great for tools, you know, with our mere ponamu mm. and our, um, and our uh, what do you call those, karako, karako atiriri, haera, weapons, our weapons mm. and um, for blades and those kind of things. Uh, it was also prized because of the mana and te wairua, te mauri roto, um, the, the spiritual essence that it carried with it, as a kaitiaki. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, that's our culture. It's still very important to us. And the people on the West Coast, the Kati Waiwai people or Ngati Waiwai people, that's their life. Ponamu, Ponamu is them, you know, Korato Tunu Te Ponamu. It's, it's who they are as a people. And I say that, you know, I fuck a papa to um, Kati Waiwai as well. And it's, um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think of, um, you know, a lot of our whakatauki, which remind us of the value of, of ponamu, such as um, ahakoa heiti he ponamu. So even though it, it's but small, it is made of ponamu. And do you know our one is um, te kopa iti arodeka. So ahakoa heiti mm. ko te kopa iti arodeka. So even though it's small, it is the prized purse of rodeka. So there you go. Te kopa iti arodeka. You can say that whakatauki just by saying te kopa iti arodeka. Naia te kopa iti arodeka here. Because naia is one of our other sayings to say like here it is when you're presenting something to someone. Naia. Naia. You can go naia te kopa Here I present you, I give you uh, the small purse of rodeka. Kia ora. Kia ora. Uh, I know too with ponamu, you know, it was handed down. Uh, three generations, and then you know, there's lo- there's lots of stories about merepo namu that were swapped or were um, used as dowry or to seal contracts, and um, or tato ponamu to seal peace between iwi. And as the ponamu travelled, um, it was endowed with more mana um, through through the years. Niha. Mm. And there's lots of kōrero about that. I think because our people valued it so much and like all of our art and our tauka, it carries the messages and the stories of every generation it passes through. Mm. So I think that's why it becomes even more, you know, even more special in our hearts and our minds because uh, it is really a, a vehicle that becomes the repository of those um, those narratives of our whānau. Mm. So... My um my tower's ponamu. She had a tiki, and that that went to uh, the my sister Rena, who's the eldest in the whānau. And we we had a lot of our tauka stolen when, when we lived in Wellington. A lot of our family heirlooms were um we got robbed a number of times and stolen. But this tiki of towers, you know, that's um it's special. You look at it and you know that that I didn't meet my tower. My grand oh sorry, tower is uh, the kaitahu word for grandmother. I, she died before I was born, so. Knowing, being able to see that and touch that, that is a connection to her. You know, I made sure I've got two tamariki and I bought them a, a tiki each that is made from the same stone because I want them, I want that to be an heirloom for them that can be passed down through their whānau. Mm. Um, but that also unites them to me. And because of that importance of te rahei te tokutaua, mm. then I can uh, make that connection back to them. So, yeah, I think the mana of the tauka and where that effect that it gets imbued with those stories of each generation helps us to connect, you know, connect to the past, but also connect to our babies, our mokopuna. Tēnā koe. Tēnō pai, tēnō pai. I, I think uh, something too I want to touch on to any just to wrap up the, the, the kōrero about ponamu is a lot of people think that, I know ponamu is the, probably the umbrella kupu um, for the different types of ponamu, of jade, is it jade? Ah. Uh. And there's also there's there's other there's other kupu there's other ing, ingwa uh, words for ponamu and the types of could you share a couple of those please yeah sure so um and you know I'm not proclaiming to be an expert here otherwise those Katiwawai relations of mine will be giving me a, a, a talking to um but <laughs> actually look we've got a number of different ones that we can use as kiwaha too mm. so we say for 
since um, te kuru ohuka. So ohuka is a kind of um, pronamu, and we use te kuru ohuka like, which is the flint of ohuka, um, as a term of endearment mm. for beauty, you know, or uh, somebody prized. So you say, oh, e taku kuru ohuka, my precious um, ohuka, greenstone. And te kuru te karerewa, te karerewa is another form. Uh, but we have things, the common ones, you know, sometimes you see the lighter one. It's mm. kind of like a mm. more milky. That's, yeah. It's kind of got a milky kind of um, green to it. Yeah. Um, and that's called inaka or inanga. Mm. Oh. Now, you can see that because if you know the inanga, the white bait, mm. um, it's got that kind of translucent, you know, that milky color. That's one of our ponamu is inaka. We've got toto weka. It's got the toto weka. has got the mm. red flecks through it, so that we that's like the blood of the weka going through toto weka. Um, Takiwai or tangiwai is mm. another one. And in our traditions, that's when um, Tamaawa cried, and he cried when he realised that his wife Waitaiki, mm. who's the mother of Ponamu, had been turned to stone. His tears fell and became tangiwai, takiwai that fell to his lungs in the river. So. Yeah, lots of kōrero and kupu around the different kinds of greenstone, but in the different kinds of ponamu, not henui te whānau, henui te momo. Kia ora. I have to say, Tariel, oh, it's uh, quite strange for me to hear um, Hana say tangiwai. Yeah. I know. Weird for me too. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's really, really trying. And I know it's for the benefit of the audience. Uh, and um, <laughs> I, I think we're naturally sort of going that way now because... Um, Hannah's used some kaitahu kupu. Kaitahu, I'm going to try and fuck a kaitahu i takureo. Kapai. Yeah. Oh, koya kaya koe tukane. Yeah, and I was saying to Tariao Tuhene, you remember that one year we, uh, the first um, Te Panekeretanga trip and we all swapped meter? Oh. Do you remember that? And we had to pay a dollar every time we stuffed up a meter. I know, that was a good fundraising night that night. <laughs> for dinner, near for dinner. It was for dinner. And you know, honestly, you would have thought that I would have had it easy because all I had to do was use the NG. I wasn't allowed to use the kaitahu meter. <laughs> and yet the Hekatu was having to use the kaitahu meter. And um, between him and I had the hardest. We ended up being fined more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a pretty hard case trip, that one. Yeah. But yes, I learnt my reo in the North Island. So I went to Queenie Wikitoria and learnt te reo just, you know, in high school there, up in Auckland. And I also had um, Te Awe Davis from Ngāti Maniopoto, who, who I spent a lot of time with since I was six. So I learnt reo in that way, but it was all northern reo. Uh, and I was 16 before I wanted, consciously, I wanted to try and use a bit more or learn a bit more about our dialect. Mm. And so I've been trying somewhat successfully, somewhat not <laughs> since then. And I made a real commitment when I went to university just to try and use our dialect. But yeah, our dialect is a bit different. It's, I remember when you started listening to a Paraune and you were like, what? Ha 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 ha. I had to say <laughs> things three times. I'm thinking, man, is my real that bad that he's not getting me? And then he had, it takes a while to get used to, but I think once people are used to hearing it, then it's not so bad, eh, brother? Yeah. So just to share with everybody the general Ngaitahu Mita, and maybe Hana can share with us whether all of Ngaitahu speaks like that, but they, they drop the NG or the NG becomes a K. So you've heard uh, Hana say um, Inaka for Inanga, tauka. and she's been saying Tauka. And quite naturally too, yeah. it? and I take my hat off to you, Tatuhene Nui Taku Mihi Kiakui, because you're Kanifa Kuekito Mita, you're very staunch to your Mita, but 
it comes off, rolls off your tongue quite naturally. You don't force your tomita. And he tohu teira ki au kua tangata whenua to, mm. to rangi e ki nei a tainui, te rangi o te reo, te mito o te reo ki runga uh, ki to arero, no rere mihatsana kia koe. So that's probably the, the basic one. But I know there's a lot of uh, ngaitahu kupu too, or kaitahu kupu, kaitahu. or kupu kaitahu, more correctly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you've heard a couple ne um, te anga hea, uh, um, te, te aka. Te aka. Tariau te aka. <laughs> Kia he tahi o ngā kupu kua rongo koe. Ngā kupu, te noti. Noti. Noti, kia Te taua. Taua, so taua for grandmother. Ko te taua, he tohu to. He tohu to. Ah, kare he tohu to. Taua. Taua. Yeah. Yeah. And then me he for anei. You know, brother, it didn't always roll off my tongue. It took a while, but like, Tadeo never rolled off my tongue either. It took a while when I was learning Tadeo, you know, it wasn't, it didn't come naturally. It, it, it was hard work when you're learning mm. a language and, and that hasn't been the language you've been raised in. So like the same for me, I, it was another transition to learn the meter, but I wanted to because when I, Looked at my place names down south, like Auraki for our mountain, mm. for um, Mount Cook, Auraki, and Rakiura, the places where I came from, my marae, Moiraki, you know, which is the same place as Moirangi. I like, there's something, that this was the reo that was left by my tupuna, mm. and I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it justice. But you asked me the question whether or not um, all of Ngaitahu speak in the mita, and and no, they don't. Not all of my iwi speak Māori. In fact, we've, we're the iwi that are struggling the most of all iwi uh, in mm. terms of language loss. And so it's been a big part of my rakahou, my uh, rangahou, my research as well, to look at, well, hey, why did it change? Why was it different for us and it was mm. for others? And, and when did our meta start changing? Because it's hard case when you start looking at some of the old manuscripts and you see the old people trying to write and what they were learning was the standard way of speaking Māori and they're getting it mixed up. It is hard case. <laughs> you know, so for a word like that they start thinking that every time that they would say, okay, it's meant to be an NG. So they start trying to write it like naraka for karanga. Oh. Um, and you could say, say oh, that, that must be an NG, so I'll change that one. And, uh, and they're just getting it mixed. Um, but they were trying because they wanted to, try and conform to the written Māori, which was mm. new to our people. So they would, and that, the written Māori was all in the northern form. And when our language started being lost, then, of course, you lose the meter as well. So when I was in, in 2011, on February, oh, sorry, December the 5th, 2011, our, our last native poa, um, Uncle Jacko Reihana, native speaker of our dialect, he died. And mm. so we didn't have a big group of people who were using the language and and showing us how to use, you know, what that meter sounded like. So a lot of our people for generations now have grown up only what Māori they have heard has been northern. It hasn't been our form. And and I understand that that's what they feel comfortable with and that's what they that's what's common, so they want to learn it. And a, a lot of our people also have uh, multiple iwi, so they go with an iwi, the language that's stronger. But for me, uh, yeah, it's been a big thing for me to do, I, I kind of, think no one else is going to take responsibility for our mita, for our rangi, as you call it, mm. uh, than us. So um, I want to make sure that I 
can look my mukupuna in the eye and say, well, I did what I could, you know, to um to try and at least uh, raise the raise the awareness about it and also see the beauty. Because, you know, there are some things in the south that they, they don't have in the north. Mm-hmm. So we've got kupu down. I remember with Papa Timoti having a conversation, uh, hearing him say one time, oh, the Māori didn't have a word for glacier. And I'm like, oh, I think they did. I think, you know, and, and he was wonderful because he was like, well, what is it? And I had to think, oh, hold on, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> and then, you know, in our story with um, of Rākai Hotu who came with the Waitaha people, uh, he was the leader of the Waitaha people. He had a, a pepeha that said, he puna kari kari, he puna waimaria, he puna hauaitu. And it was a prophecy that he, when he turned up in Nelson, he dug his he dug his court to Fakaroria into the ground, and he said and he prophesied. He saw three kinds of puna, three kinds of um, lakes. They were the lakes kari kari. So we use for kiri kiri for digging. Mm. We use kari kari. Mm. So he puna kari kari. There'll be lakes dug by the hand of man. He puna wai maria. There'll be lakes that are he puna huhua. There'll be um, Bountiful lakes, plentiful lakes, rich with kai, and he puna hauaitu, and frozen lakes, mm. and that's our glacier. Mm. You know, so so hauaitu is freezing, absolutely freezing. Um, so the frozen lakes, he puna hauaitu. Uh, so yeah, I think um, the language emerged from our from our climate. Even though Papa Timothy said that it was probably because the teeth were chattering so much. Um, down south, that the come come out. I like to think it was a little bit deeper than that. And actually, and I should say that the the meter um, that the K is one aspect of it, but that actually comes from the Waitaha, from our first. Um, we got we're made up of of three main migrations, and the first main migration was the Waitaha people, led by Rakai Hotu. They were the first ones, really, and other hapu that came at the same time, but. They were the people that settled. And then after that, Kati Māmoi, and the, mm. they came from the East Coast. He whanauka kia kahukunu, kati kahukunu me e mm. um, mm. And they came through. And then afterwards, probably a, a hundred, two hundred years after, you know, uh, maybe a hundred years between all these migrations, then came um, uh, Kaitahu or Ngaitahu from again um, the whanauka from the the East Coast, and and of course we had that was uh, from uh, the the te, te Honoka kia um, Katipuro, you know our relationship mm. to uh, Ngati Pro as well. Mm. And so Waitaha the K, when the Kati Mamoi came, they brought with them some of those Eastern aspects of dialect, like the Mato Mato instead of Mato, mm. and. Uh, tato, so the AU instead of the OU on the end of all those um, pronouns, mm. they brought them and the, the Waitaha people adopted those, that language, but they kept the K. Mm. And when the when the Ngaitahu came, they did the same thing. So we can actually see in the dialect before the Pākehā arrived, we can see the East Coast influence, mm. the, Wais, the Waitaha influence, and it merged to a reo. And the reo that I use, the metre that I use in terms of that timeline, is the language our people were speaking before our language started to be eroded by the arrival of the Pākehā. Mm. That's mm. where I put my stake in the ground on my timeline and say, if I'm going to revitalise a language, I want to revitalise it at the time that we were in control. Mm. So, yeah, we, so we got a, we share a lot of the same similarities with, um, with Ngāti Pro, Kahanganu and the, the, lang, the Mita um, mm. in those places. Yeah. 
Sorry, that's a long lecture for a little question. No, you know, oh, boy. I think, you know, you're inspirational. One is your second language learner. You took it upon yourself to learn te reo Māori. And then secondly, to learn your rangi or te mito o tō reo. And it's become a part of you, a natural part of you. And uh, we, Tariao and I, we had a conversation about how important mita is. But if you're on a language learning journey, if you're out of your tribal area, you can learn te reo Māori and then in time you can learn your mita. Absolutely, yep. And Ikera Hukio, that's what yeah. I did. Yeah, and you're a, a role model and an example of mm-hmm. that. And thirdly, you've been highly involved and engaged with the revival of Te Reo Māori within your iwi, in the in the language strategy of your iwi, Tahimano Kaika. Yeah, we're 15 years, actually coming into our 16th year since we launched that kaupapa. But it was 1997, that, that um, so 20 years actually, far out, 20 years. 20 years since we first thought it up. It took us a couple of years to get it past our tribal governance to get it supported. And that was that the, the whakatauki is kotahi mano kaika, kotahi mano wawata, a thousand uh, homes realising um, a thousand aspirations. And that acknowledged that everyone's going to have a different goal, a different dream for their deal. It doesn't have to look the same. And so we we wanted a thousand homes making good on their dreams for their deal within their whānau. And we we got that kaupapa. It was influenced by Joshua Fishman, Professor Joshua Fishman, the late professor, little Jewish professor over in, in Harlem, over in um, New York. And he had a huge influence on language, people revitalizing languages around the world because he said the most important thing that's going to change the status of a language is whether you, if you speak it at home, if you speak it in between generations. So we call it the intergenerational transmission of the reo. Uh, and that's what we based our kaupapa on. Uh, so it's been a long journey. Of course, I was a big preacher of it. I went around preaching it around my tribe, getting saying to people, you know, shaking them up, saying, come on, you got to do this. Then I had my own children. I went, wow, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> it, really, and I, I started, I took my hat off to all those people that I'd been lecturing to for years before that and who had really made the commitment because I thought, you know, I've got a level of real which, is, um, which has been developed to a point. It's still got a long way to go. But I found it hard. So for people who were just starting and doing it with their kids, I really took my hat off to them. But the rewards, wow. And I think this is what inspires people. When you hear your baby's first kupu and they come out in te reo, and you hear their first waiata and it's te reo, when they make their first sentence and it's in te reo, when they growl you for the first time or they, use, <laughs> they and it's in te reo, even when they swear at you, it's like, oh. <gasps> Speaking to them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my boy did that. He was two years old and we were on a plane. He was hoha with me, really hoha, because I wouldn't let him get out. And uh, he goes, uh, he swore at me. He swore at me in today. And he'd learned it off the pakiwaituhi off one of the cartoons, the early cartoons we had in Maui. So I can know, I can pay tribute to Waihoroi Shortlop. And he goes, kuri mama, you know, food of the dog mama. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that little fucker, you know, swearing at me. How dare he? And I went, oh, it sounds so good when he says it. And so I kind of had a little, I kind of had a little bit of a smirk, which he did not appreciate. And so he turned to me and and there's a lady walking down the aisle and she had a banana and he goes, 
um, oh, sorry, he, he was trying to think of something else and he goes, Kayate, Kayate Rapati Mama. And I'm like, that's not a kiwaha. When did that kiwaha get invented? And then I thought, actually, that's really cool. He's making up. Yeah. He's making up his own little kiwaha, even if, it, even if he is trying to swear at his mother. And so I, you know, I said, oh, I didn't pay any attention, but I kind of couldn't help but laugh. Until then, he goes, Kayate, Kayate, Panana Mama, your food of the banana, Mum. And I went, and of course, I couldn't help it. I just laughed, and that just sent him off. Although he laughed as well, because he realized that the banana doesn't actually have a food. So, you know, he kind of cracked himself up, but then he got even more angry. <laughs> so, yeah, when you first hear your babies um, use the rail like that and live it, really live mm-hmm. it, um, it's, it's worth all the hard work. And I think for my people, I, I want I want my next gen the next generation of kaitahu to not feel ma about not having the reo. You know, it's hard. It, it doesn't make you less Maori, but it helps you to understand the Maori world and and the kōrero of our ancestors when you do know more. And so I just want that for I want that for my mokopuna. I want that for my fano and my relations. I want them to feel connected to their stories, connected to their place. It's such a beautiful thing when you listen to it. And I I think like any parent, when you know there's some beauty and richness and so much strength that can be got from something, you don't want to deny it to your children. You want to do what you can to help them have it. Mm. And you know it's going to be a hard slog. And for our people in Kaitahu with so many who don't and so many who don't even have a memory of it being spoken. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really hard. What can you do so that you can make sure that your tamariki and your mukapuna will have access to it in the future? Doesn't doesn't have to be now, but it's what you do now that will make a difference for the future generation. So, you know, I just think it's something, and the same goes for the dialect. I think it's something we need to work on. Mm. We want to make sure that our babies, uh, we want to make sure that our uri, our descendants, know the beauty and the richness and the legacy that our tupuna gave. So I'm going to carry on rocking it out, whether my mm. kids like it or not. <laughs> and, and there are times that they don't believe me when I'm going, kōrero Māori, kia kaha, me uki Māori. Um, and I'm always telling them to, to stick to the Māori. And if they speak English to me, they don't get an answer. That infuriates the hell out of them. Um, but you got to bite the bullet sometimes and I'm pretty sure that they're going to appreciate it when they're um when mm. they have their babies and they've got they realize you know that there are those opportunities so my toa was born in 1900 um she was born in 1900 and she didn't speak maori as her first language it was her parents that were native speakers and they that that far back you know that's freaky and so it's been over 100 and you know, it was over 100 years in my family that the language wasn't spoken. And my children, though, are first um, language speakers of Māori. It's still got a lot to be fixed up because I've been their teacher. But I reckon my toa would have been pretty damn proud to um, mm. to think that despite what was lost then, her great mukupuna are now naturally um, speaking the real. I've been waiting for Tanga. Why was it saying? <laughs> I've been waiting for Tariao to come in, but she's just like an awe I'm like of you. An awe she's like s- sitting there, like don't lie, you were sleepy. That's what the <laughs> No, she is. She's like she's like an awe of you. And Mary Tahi, I mean, I have got a good mohi o kia koe. 
He watu, ko te watu a tai tēnei ko āta noho tāua, ahakoa kei Hawaii koe en kei te kainga nei, eh? but then I've, I've really got to hear your whakaaro e pāna ki te whakatupu tamariki me te whakatupu reo. And erua, erua, bringing up children and growing um, the real community, the, the real community, erua, erua, um, no rere e te tuhine mihi atu ana. I know this is going to be a huge inspiration for mm-hmm. our listeners because a lot of our listeners, most of them are on a te reo journey and they're all at different parts in their journey. But te reo won't come with um, just sitting there doing nothing. You need to put the hard, the hard work into te reo yeah. Māori. Right. But you'll get the benefits. And that's the fourth inspirational point about you that I wanted to bring up is that you're also an example of that. So e te tuhine ka mātua i tēnā. Thank you very, very much. Just to remind everybody, Hannah's actually in Hawaii on the uh, in, in Waikiki. And do you know, do you know the, the hotel that I'm staying in, the tower, they got two tower blocks, and I thought it was a tohu because on the sign when I'm coming in, the name of this tower block is Mocha. I'm there you go. Just so you know, mocha in Hawaii means mauta, all right? So, you know, just don't, I don't want to be. I'm, I'm just going with mocha. Just don't, 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 be, don't be popping my balloon. <laughs> don't be popping that poiho. Hoia no, et to him, and I'll let you get out into that nice sunshine I can see is reflecting off the white walls of your hotel rooms. <laughs> That was um, Hanau Regan no Kaitahu, e kōrero ana mō tōna iwi. And this is us, māua ko Tariao. E mihatu ana kia koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Was they? Yeah. I saw you were like, as I was saying, you were just. Yeah, I was just like captivated. I was like, oh my god. Me too. I was, as I was saying, you know, we're really, really good friends, but it's not often. Um, you can just sit and. Yeah, yeah, and talk that I've really heard about her whakaro and bringing up her tamariki yeah. that I also know, know really well. And to hear, I think one thing is hearing the viewpoint of a mother. Mm. So even though the kōrero was about ngaitahu, we went into her work in te reo Māori right. and the mahi she's done in te reo Māori and particularly in her whānau and bringing up her children mm. in te reo, which I thought was really, really cool and good for our listeners. Koutou e te iwi, neha. Mm. And the um, tana u ki tana mita. Ah, iti no rongo, mete yeah. pai hoki. Yeah. E te mita ki yeah, and there's not many that, um, I mean... You know, I've got a few friends from, from Ngaitahu, mm. but um, she is staunch to her meter, but it's quite natural. Yeah. So she speaks it. There. I mean, I know quite a few people know, know Iwike, uh, and they'll speak their meter some of the time. But as we were saying, you know, Rotoya Tawa Kōrero about mm. meter the other day, you need to be around it for it to become yeah. a natural part of your Definitely. way of speaking. Mm. And yeah, that's harder if you if you live out of your iwi. Mm. But um, it was good to hear her, you know, say, oh, you know, thank you. It's it's you know, you can learn your meter later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he nuinga he nuinga ma tairanga iroto itira kōrero. Oh, no. 
mō ngai tahu and uh, me e tahi wā rātai kupu Ai, Neha. tino pai Tino pai rā wātū Yeah, so um, koina, koina, ku whakai mm. whakaro anō au mō, mō, te, mō tā tātou kōrero No, it was just beautiful Yeah, And it's sort of, I think it's sort of like was bringing it back home for everybody listening mm. Like, yeah, you can do this too Exactly, exactly yeah. And yeah, it's um, gonna be hard, but I know um, maybe a lot of you, our our listeners, may not know who Hano Regan is, but um, you can Google her. But um, <laughs> you know, she's one that's done a lot of work in Te Reo Māori mm. for Ngaitau and Te Iwi Māori, not just not just Ngaitahu. So uh, we've been honoured really with all of our um, guests yeah, we've definitely. had on on Taringa. But it was another thing. I'm just going back to Te Te Rongo I Te Reo Te Wahine. Mm. Yeah, Tino Pairawatu. Tino Pairawatu. Ko ia pia te wahine tua tahi. Ai, ko ia te wahine tua tai atu i a koe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're on every week, so. Yeah. Ko um, hapea e nei ki taku reo. <laughs> Hoia no uh, e te iwi. Uh, koe nga e tahi o māua huritau. Mm. And it's kupu hou for you all. Huritau means to reflect. Right. Huritau. And just to go back, oh, some of the kupu from our kōrero with Hana. So we had kopa. Right, kopa, purse. Which is a purse. Ki te reo kaitahu. E, kaitahu ngaitahu. Um, <laughs> had taua and paua. Taua for grandmother and paua for grandfather. Mm. We had puna hau aitu. Aye, hau aitu for glacier. For glacier. Yep. Kari kari. Kari kari instead of kiri kiri. Kiri kiri for digging. Yeah, I think there were some others too that mm. came out just in the conversation yep. that we didn't really necessarily talk about but they came out in the kōrero. Yeah. So yeah, koina he nuinga akoranga i roto i tērā kōrero and I just want to reflect again on Hana being a second language learner and the hard work that she's put in and it is it is a hard slog so for those of you that are, that are learning te reo, well we're all learning te reo, mm. you know even, even though I class myself as a fluent speaker. It's never ending. Eh? Exactly and that's why I like doing, that's the reason why I like doing Mahuru Māori is because I learn a lot of new words doing yeah. Mahuru Māori. Mm. So, kia kaha te ako, uh, kia u. And, um, yeah, be patient. A lot of the time it's being patient with yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and um, <laughs> learning to manage those emotions you go through when you're trying to, when you're learning te reo Māori. In um, any language, really, yeah. Koina hoki. Mm. Of course, another way to learn te reo, a good way, a fun way, is through waiata. So that leads us into our waiata o te wiki. Aye. It is... E papa waiari. E papa waiari. Yeah. Me koina tatata waiata i tēnei wiki, whakarongo mai. E hine hoki maia E papa waiari
And that was um, NRG Rising singing that. Benita and her two daughters. Another favourite party song, mm. E Papa Waiari. I remember doing it back in primary school with Roll Up Magazines. Oh, yes. For STT Toria, the stick game. And then in high school, we sang it a cappella. Um, our music teacher, she taught us how to sing it a cappella yeah, like I herbs. At One Love, when Fiji sang it. Did you see the video? No, nah, I haven't. Oh, I'm at One Love last year, Fiji sang it. It was cool, but I fell asleep. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of in, in line with you for, um, yeah, sleeping for your alarm this morning. Yeah. <laughs> she slept through her pū oho e tiwi. There is another kupu ho for you all. Pū oho alarm. Um, we are not. We're signing off now, Iti. We yeah. hope you've enjoyed this podcast, Punua Paho Taringa, recorded in house, Te Ipuro, Te Wanonga o Te Roa, e Riri Nei a Mawa Mihi ko mm. Tariao, kia kutu katoa. Hei kona, Iti. Fakarongo ki te tangi a te kori mako Korero flowing at the hooker force Kou papa relevant, kou papa out of bounds Kou papa exigent, kou papa paramount Nā kona whakapiri mai ki te Kou papa tino whakahira hira Fakarongo pi karikari mai Hare are mai o taringa hare hare mai We gotta gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kani kani move that body Kani kani move that body Taringa he mea tuku nā te wānanga o Aotearoa. To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe. Taringa, whakarongo mai. <laughs>